Well, we come now to the very heart of the book of Philemon. And not only the heart of the book, but a very, very hard subject. If I were to entitle this study, it would be an appeal to forgive. I'm going to read two verses, verse 15 and verse 16. And we're going to make an appeal to forgive. Verse 15. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while. That you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant. As a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you both in the flesh and in the Lord. Forgiveness is not easy. I must humble myself, let my guard down, accept the person who has hurt me. I must give what is not deserved. Controlling my emotions, I have to listen, do something I really don't want to do, Stop thinking of thoughts of retaliation. I must give the person a chance and be Jesus to the other person. Despite the unjust treatment, the pain, and the damage that has been done. Here is the result of the gospel. The only way that my relationships can change is if I change by the power and the love of being plugged into Jesus. Two conclusions when it comes to relationships that we all can agree we come to. Number one, relationships do not have guarantees. Nowhere in God's Word does it say a relationship has a guarantee except one. And that's my relationship with God. But when it comes to horizontal relationships, there are no guarantees. And the second conclusion we come to is perfect relationships do not exist where two imperfect people are involved. So what is the hope of the gospel? The hope of the gospel is forgiveness and restoration are possible. That's the hope of the gospel. That Forgiveness and restoration are possible. Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So the key to forgiveness is that I have to forgive on a God level. You see that little word as, be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving, as God. 
I have to forgive on a God level. What does that little word as mean in verse 32? To the degree that. In so much as. Just as. Or when you were forgiven and how you were forgiven. Jesus taught us in Matthew chapter number 18. A very important lesson about forgiveness. Matthew chapter number 18. This is what Jesus said about forgiveness. And it's pretty simple and pretty straightforward. Forgiveness must know no limits. In Matthew chapter 18. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Forgiveness. It knows no limit. Jesus said you forgive as much as it takes to save the relationship. So the hope of the gospel. The hope of the gospel. And I think this is so vital. Is that there's no relationship so bad that it cannot be fixed and it cannot be saved. That's the hope of the gospel. Even in relationships. There is no person, there is no relationship that is beyond the scope of God's love, God's mercy, and God's grace. And God's forgiveness. So there is good news for all the bad news Concerning my relationships. So the letter of Philemon teaches us that the fabric of the relationship must have forgiveness woven into it. I've got to have this forgiveness woven into the fabric of the relationship. Here's what we need to understand. Lasting relationships Secure relationships are those that have weathered the storms and have forgiven wrongs. In every broken and damaged relationship, there's two roles. There's the offender. And then there is the offended. So, I'm going to divide the room this morning. You're either an Onesimus or you're a Philemon. You either hurt somebody, you've broken that trust, you have failed to take into consideration the other person's feelings, selfish move, and all you thought about was your happiness. You're an Onesimus. And then the other half, you may be a Philemon. You've been hurt. The pain is deep. You've got trust issues now. You've been betrayed. You've given it everything, and this is what you've gotten in return. You've been robbed of your dreams. You've been robbed of your happiness. This is not what you signed up for. So we can divide the room. You're either a Onesimus 
or you're either a Philemon. And here's the premise of our study. What is my part in the restoration process? What is my part in the restoration process? So I want to begin and give you a definition of what forgiveness is. And I want you to take a picture of this, write it down. I'm going to leave it up here so you can see it. But I want you to understand what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not something that's easy. In fact, it is not on the top five lists of what we would consider essential. Because we, we avoid it at all costs. It's like the plague. We, go, we, we try to steer far away from it as we can. We don't want to humble ourselves. We don't want to let our guard down. We don't want to do it. We don't want to, listen, we don't want to give second chances. Forgiveness is tough. Here's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is choosing to let go of unhealthy emotions and unsafe thoughts associated with an offense, a flaw, or a mistake of another person in Christ Jesus. That's the key. Let me say this to you from the get-go. Look at me. I want you to take this very serious. Stop doing what you cannot do. You know why our forgiveness doesn't work? It's because it's us trying to do it and not Christ doing it through me. You cannot, you do not, you must accept this. You cannot and you do not have the power to forgive yourself and to forgive another person. Your forgiveness is flawed. Your forgiveness comes with what? Stipulations. Your forgiveness has boundaries. Your forgiveness has rules. Your forgiveness is not really forgiveness. Stop doing what you cannot do. Where do we get this idea that we can forgive people when we have needed forgiving ourselves? We've got this thing all wrong. The key is me doing this in Christ. My relationships only change when I change by the power and the love that I'm plugged into, and that's what? Jesus Christ. That means you unplug from yourself and unplug from your case and unplug from your cause and unplug from your feelings and your emotions and your ideas, your thoughts of retaliation, and you plug into one who offers a limitless forgiveness. That's when my relationship changes. Here it is again. I choose not to exact payment for the pain inflicted on my life, rather choosing to be Christ and living the very essence of the gospel. What? By what? Being forgiven. That's supposed to be forgiven as God has forgiven me. So number one, what is the responsibility of the offending party, the offender? You're oh, Nesimus, you've caused the pain. You have inflicted the hurt. You have acted selfishly. You are the one that has robbed a person 
of whatever their dreams might have been. You're the one who has said that. You're the one that has stolen and running like it's no big deal. What is the responsibility of the offender? I want you to note in verse number 8, I hope you have your Bibles open. According though, I am bold enough in Christ. Now here, listen to me. Paul could have easily played the, uh, the apostle authority card, but he, 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 he kind of refuses to do that. Look what he said in verse 8. According though, I am bold enough in Christ to command you what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to make an appeal to you. And that's what we're doing today. Look at me. We're making an appeal to you. Maybe you walked into this church, and man, you're holding on to that. Can I tell you something? You're only hurting yourself. You're only stunting your own spiritual growth. You're hindering the spirit working in your life, harboring and holding on to that. So we're not going to make you forgive, but we're going to make an appeal to you like Paul said. Like we said in verse number 9. Yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ. I appeal to you. For my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment, formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart, Paul said. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion but of your own accord. Look at me. If you are the offender, I want to make this statement right out of the gate. God forgives and restores when we have failed. It's not the end. Did you see what it said in verse 10? Did you notice what it said? I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Somewhere on the run, with whatever he had that he had stolen from Philemon, he found out that God loves, God forgives, and God restores. Even though I've made mistakes. Even though I've failed miserably. Even though I don't think of myself that highly anymore because I have made such a huge, huge foul up. God forgives and God restores. A changed life in Christ, though, and this is important, leaves no other option than a turnaround and go back and admit the wrong and make the wrong right. So reconciliation calls for, listen, and demands repentance. I change my mind about my thoughts, about my actions, about my behavior, about my feelings. I've changed. I changed the way I think about it. I changed the way I look at it. I changed the way I feel about it. I change. Repentance. True change. Not confession. But repentance. A change. Big difference between confessing and changing. You might have confessed it because maybe it's going to get you off the hook. Changing changes the relationship because I've been changed by Jesus. 
Listen, repentance is thinking about it the way God thinks about it. And my friend, listen to me. Restoration screams repentance. My relationship with Jesus, I don't look for escapes from my past. But here's what it does. It does help me face my past and embrace the hope of a second chance. So here's what you need to understand. God gives second chances. God is a God of second chances. God is a God of third chances. God is a God of fourth chances. God is a God that is long-suffering and forbearing. He knows our frame and knows that we are mere flesh and human beings. And that we are flawed. We don't make the right decisions. We don't make the right choices. We don't walk in the right directions. We don't choose the right paths all the time. And God knows that. Are you tracking? And here's what a lot of you need to understand this morning. All you Onesimuses that are sitting in this church this morning, you need to understand this. That the way forward in any relationship is going backwards. Did you notice what Paul said to him? I'm sending him back to you. Before he can be beneficial to me, before Paul said he can be beneficial to this ministry, I've got to send him back to you. So in other words, if this thing is going to go anywhere, it's got to go backwards. Onesimus has got to go back to Philemon. Back and admit that he's wrong. Back to make the wrongs right. Back to give back what he can, what he took from Philemon before he can go forward. And this, my friend, is the paradox of Christianity. It makes no sense to this world. I want you to look with me in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus taught this same truth. Matthew chapter 5. Listen to this. Verses 23 and 24. Listen to what Jesus said here. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and what? Go back and first become reconciled to your brother and then come back and offer your gift to God. So in other words, if you're down here praying and you're asking God specifically for Him to work in your life and you remember that there's something that's out of sorts with you and another brother or sister in Christ, what did Jesus say? Go back to them, then come. Go backwards. Progress means getting nearer to the place where we want to be, but when we're there, we have to realize that if something's wrong, we have to do what? Go back. There is no progress in being pig-headed and admitting the wrong and the mistake. Don't make no progress saying, I'm not going to say. Listen, listen, own it, go back, and get it right. I'm sending him back to you. Here's the frustration of going back. You have to agree with this. It's a great spot for an amen. Here's the frustration in going back. I want to move forward, but there's so much that's left undone. I'm in a hurry to move forward. I want to get past it. Here's what the problem is. What we're really wanting to get past is ourself. And here's the frustration. You can't go forward until you do what? Go backwards. I've got to admit that I've done wrong. I've got to make that thing right with the help of God. Amen? 
Some of you sitting here this morning, you may, just, may be seriously in need of making some things right with people. You say, my life's not going anywhere. Well, you've not gone backwards yet. You ain't going anywhere until you go back. See what I'm saying? That's the responsibility of the offender. Repentance. Repentance. Listen, only in Hollywood do relationships survive on this premise. Love means never having to say, I'm sorry. That's a Hollywood pipe dream. I guarantee you, if you're in a serious relationship, you will say, I'm sorry, more than you will say, I love you. Because when you have two imperfect people in a relationship, man, there's going to be mistakes. There's going to be bad choices. There's going to be failure. And it takes a man to say, I'm sorry. It takes a lady of God to say, I'm sorry, and mean it. Not just to get you unhitched. But to get that thing started in the, what, forward direction, you got to go back. you got to go back. Number two, the reaction of the offended. This is to all the Philemons. Look in verse, we read verse 13. Let's start up verse 15. We read that. Let's start in verse number 17. So if you consider me your partner, Paul said, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of you owing me. You see that? Even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience. You know what Paul's saying to Philemon? I know my brother. Look at me. You know what Paul's saying? I know, my brother, you're going to do the right thing. I have no doubt. You're going to do the right thing. And then he says, I even know that you're going to do more than the right thing. Refresh my heart. Now let's talk about what you as the offended party, you're the one sitting here, you're the Philemon sitting here, you're angry, you're broken, you're hurt, your guts are about to come out. If the truth be known and we can open up your heart and open up your mind, you've thought of a thousand ways to make that person pay. Mm -hmm. And honestly, they're all justified. We're just being honest, right? What is my reaction to being hurt? progress so here's the good news and the bad news concerning broken relationships I, and I want you to pick up on this I, seriously I want you to see this God is doing something deeper and good will emerge I want you to look with me in verse 15 I want you to hear the tone of this I'm going to flip back on the screen here look up here I don't, know if you, I don't know if you see this or you, you sense this in this verse, but I think you will if you read it slowly. Here's the good news and your bad news, okay? God is doing something deeper and good will emerge. Listen to the tone in Paul's voice. You ready? Say yes. For this perhaps, let's just stop right there. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while. 
that you might have him back forever. Scott, do you mean to tell me that God can work in failure? Scott, are you telling me that God can work when I've been betrayed and hurt? Are you telling me that God is working in the depth of my pain? Are you telling me, Scott, that God has a purpose for me going through this? And you're telling me that there will be a good emerge from this. How many of you, when I read that, heard the tone in that verse? I want to see your hands. What do you think the key word is? Perhaps. Some of your Bibles may say, for the purpose Listen to me. The good news and the bad news is, is that God is doing something deeper for good to emerge. Learning to forgive is imperative. Choosing resentment and retaliation. This will suck any hope out of your relationship. Unforgiveness generates capacity issues. I want you to write that down. Unforgiveness generates, it births capacity issues. Let me, let me explain what that means real quick. Never will I get, never will we get where God wants us to be. That, that, that relationship will go no further than where we're, where we're at right now if we choose to not forgive. It could, and let me, let me say this on a personal level. It will incapacitate you as an individual believer. Because God said, I won't hear your prayers. Jesus said, if you will not forgive, your Father in heaven will not forgive you. Well, we got, we got capacity issues now. The Bible will make no sense. Your worship will be dead. Because you are doing something. You are Listen, look at me. You are willing to do something that God so freely, willingly does. And what makes us better than God? Because I don't know anybody that's been more offended than God. And so I've, I'm, I'm, I've got a capacity issue now. I'm never going any further. Let's look at me. The reason some of you are sitting in this church and you never find your life going anywhere, you have yet to truly forgive in Christ. You're still holding on to it. You may say you're doing it, but we all lie to ourselves eventually. And the sad reality is we believe the lie. Oh, I've forgiven, yeah. And you may not verbally say you've not forgiven, but you have an emotional sense about you. You have a soul in you that has a, holds your emotions, and you feel, that, you feel that anger once you're around them again. That means you've not, you've not forgiven. Forgiveness is what God gives to free others and us from the weight of relational failure. What a gift it is, amen? What a gift God has given to us to say, I release you. I release you. And it's a gift from God. That's why I'm telling you, stop doing what you cannot do. It's a gift from God. Amen? 
Could there be a deeper purpose in all this, Paul said? See, in the aftermath of mended relationships, the beauty is they become a learning experience now. Broken relationships do not have to be forever. Did you see verse 15? Look what he said. For this purpose, there's a deeper, there's something deeper going on here. Is why he was what? Parted from you for what? Say it with me. For a what? Hey man, this too shall what? Pass. This is the beauty. Broken relationships don't have to be forever. Now look with me. Turn with me. Romans chapter 8. Let's go to the poster child of difficulties. The verse of all verses. I want you to look with me. Romans chapter 8 verse 28. I hope people are getting help this morning. I really don't want to ever leave the book of Philemon. It's helping me personally. I hope it's helping you. I'm learning things about relationships. And listen, let me, let me say this to you while you're getting to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. All of us have relational hang-ups. Amen? Let me, let me say that again. All of us have relational hang-ups. Amen? Yes. You better believe it. If you don't, please stay after church and help us all understand how you're doing that. Okay? Even your pastor. I have them. Okay? That I have to work through. But I'm, listen, here's what I'm willing. I'm willing to learn. I'm willing, to be, I'm willing to be open to this thing. Amen? Now, we know this verse by heart, do we not? And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. Right? Some of you live in Romans 8, 28. That's where you live. That's your address. Let me give you some things here. First of all, the world does not get this. Did you notice what Paul said? And we know. And we know. They don't get that. But we know that. It's just assumed that Christians understand that difficulties have a deeper purpose here. Even in relational difficulties. All right? Not just financial difficulties. Not just physical difficulties. But even the relational junk that I'm having to go through at this very moment. There is something that I know for sure. There's a purpose here. Number two. The mix is what makes it work. Listen. I'm a sweet junkie. Alright. But if I want cake. I don't eat a stick of butter and eat a bowl full of flour and hope that when it hits my gut, it makes what I'm wanting. And drink a few raw eggs. No, it's when I mix that thing together is when it works. It's the mix that works. Did you notice what Paul said in verse 28? And we know for those who love God, all things work together. The mix is where it works. Amen? Listen, you got to take the good with the bad, the, the beautiful with the what? Ugly. But it all works. It's making a cake. Amen? Number three, putting everything together, weaving everything into the tapestry of the cross of Jesus Christ. All things work for good to those that love the Lord and call according to His purpose. 
But here's the biggie. It only works for those who love God. You say, I've inflicted pain. Repent. Go back. Number two, I'm hurt deeply. Then you need to receive that person and stay away from what? Revenge and resentment. Now, I want to show you something else. Let's see if you catch this. Are y'all okay? No longer is a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother. Especially, he said, to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Now, listen to this. This is a great spot for an amen. Relationships change through difficulties. You know what the goal of a relationship is? To get it fixed and to go deeper with that person. So when he left, he was a bondservant. When he came back, he was a beloved brother. He said, Y'all are on y'all, y'all's relationship is on a different level now. Amen. Anybody in this church been through some junk? But you've come through it by the help of God and His grace and mercy. There's been reconciliation. There's been forgiveness. And y'all are closer now than you've ever been. Hell could not separate y'all. You know why? Relationships change through difficulties. You love more. Listen, here's something. You're a little bit more sensitive in how you say things and react. You're less apt to do what? Focus on you. Things have changed. He said, man, he left as a, as a bondservant, but he came back as a brother. Now, here's what you need to get. Onesimus will have to work harder because he's been given a second chance, right? Right? i got to work harder at this thing now, right? Listen to me. Relationship one-on-one. When you have failed, you have to work harder to make that thing work. Amen? That's just the way it is. You want to work harder. You want to do better. You want to not be what you was when you came into this thing. You want to be different. But you don't want to be a Philemon and think that Onesimus owes you every time they turn around. Or you bring it up to that person every time they turn around. They can't escape it and get past it because you're always having it there and making them understand, you owe me. This is what Paul's saying. Listen, in the flesh, yeah, he's going to have to try harder. But in the Lord, he's been forgiven and he doesn't owe you. So quit trying to make him owe you. Don't make him work so hard at trying to what? Regain trust. Be loved. Be accepted. God forgive us for making those who have failed think that it's going to take a lifetime for them to repay their mistakes. Paul said, don't you do that, man. Don't make him feel like he has to, every time he turns around, owes you. 
Now, let me, let me conclude with this. I've got to conclude. I can't blame it on amens because it's not been much. But <laughs> let, me give you, let me give you this real quick. What are the keys to unlocking the potential? First of all, ready for this? I want you to write these. I think I've got them. I do. There they are. Here's some keys to unlocking the potential. I want you to get this. Okay? Just bear with me a minute. Here we go. Ready? First of all, you need to choose to forgive. You notice what he said in verse 21. I'm confident of your obedience, Philemon. That you will do the right thing. And not only will you do the right thing, but you will choose to do more than the right thing. You have got to, listen, make it your objective this morning before you walk out these glass doors, I choose to forgive. You have to. I believe you'll do the right thing. Amen? If you're a believer in Christ, you have no other alternative but to do the right thing. Number two. Ready for this? Crisis and process. Now, this is, this is interesting because C.H. Spurgeon said this, You are nothing better than a deceitful hypocrite if you harbor in your mind a single unforgiving thought. So what is the crisis? Here's the crisis. Unforgiveness is a sin. Amen? Let me give you a quick scripture reference for the sake of time. Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. So if I'm in a crisis, and some of you may be in a crisis right now because you are sitting here and you are gritting your teeth and you're like, I am not going to forgive yet. I am not ready to forgive yet. I choose not to forgive yet. Unforgiveness is a sin. You are in a crisis. The process is this. I'm living out my unforgiveness. I'm, I mean, I'm living out forgiveness in that person. So here's what you need to understand. Listen to me. When you're living the process, you're going to fail. You have to go back to the crisis. This is a sin. And here's what you pray. You understand what I'm saying? The crisis is unforgiveness is sin. The process is I'm living my forgiveness. I'm living it every day in God's, in God's power and God's strength by the Holy Spirit of God in Jesus Christ. I'm living out my forgiveness. I'm living out my forgiveness. You don't owe me. I'm not going to make you pay. Quit working so hard to think that I don't love you. I'm going to live out. But there's going to come that moment when something will trigger what? The crisis again. You will become mad. You will feel the pain. You will become disgusted. You will feel like you've been robbed and you will feel cheated and you will be angry and that unforgiveness and you return back to a crisis, you got to get back to the process as fast as you can. Are y'all tracking? Now, because listen to me. Look at me. Good place for, this is a good place for oh me. We will all fail in the process. Now here's what you pray. You ready? Will you be gracious and give me just a little bit more time? Here's what you pray. God forgive me. I want to be a forgiving person. And here I am holding on to this again. I want to let it go. Look at me. When are you going to let it go? You say, they, they owe me. If you're in a crisis. I'm not ready. You're in a crisis. 
you've got to understand that is a sin to not forgive. God said you live forgiving. You live that. You live that. You know how hard that is? That's why he said stop doing what you cannot do. Because you're going to fail in the process. You've got to understand. Now, number three, cease from limiting your forgiveness. Look at this. Stop keeping score. Stop making a list of what you will and will not forgive. Stop making exceptions of who you will and who you will not forgive. Stop counting how much you will forgive. Stop. And number four, quit making excuses for not forgiving. Listen, can I tell you something? Right here is the end of your excuse, right down here. Now listen, here's some excuses that we do. The hurt's too big. Here's a good good spot for an amen. Do you think we have the tendency to make that thing bigger than it actually is in order to what? Help us get through it. The hurt's too big. I'm not forgiving. Quit maximizing that thing. Yeah, it's bad. But you make it bigger to soften you. I mean, listen, don't do that. Don't minimize it either. Because just because you're in, just because you're a believer doesn't mean you get to do what? Look for an escape route. You're not like Onesimus. You don't get to run. All right? But quit maximizing that thing. Quit blowing that thing up. Yes, it's bad. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it hurts. But don't use it to your advantage. Number two, here's an excuse. Time will heal. No, it won't. Time heals nothing. I'm 53 years old. Time heals nothing. Okay? That's an excuse. Time will heal it. Okay. No, it won't. Here's the third excuse. They, they, they have to make the first move. I ain't doing it. That's bad English. Young people do not speak that way in public. But I am not until they. Hell will freeze over before I. They will do that. Not me. Not me. Listen to me. Don't be surprised if that never happens. Let me know how, that go, how that's going for you a year from now. Have they done it yet? No. What? That's just an excuse. Here's another excuse. I cannot forget. I'm not going to forgive because I can't forget. Can I tell you something? Your lack of forgetting is actually unforgiveness. Yeah. It is. It is. Forgetting, listen, forgetting is not a required of forgiving. God did not say nowhere in his Bible, okay, here's the deal. You have to forgive and you have to forget. Nowhere is that. He said you forgive. Right? Here's the last one. And this is a tough one. I don't know about you, but when I read this, man, it's like God's reading my mail. He's like, are you kidding me? Really? Anybody feel like God's reading your mail this morning? Do not raise your hand. <laughs> but I thank him for it. I do. I thank him for it. This is, I think this, is, this excuse is the biggest. Here it is. 
they'll only do it again. I'm not going to forgive. They're going to do it again. This is a hard statement to make, but I put it down. Don't make it easy for that person to do it again. You say, what does that mean? Set some boundaries in your house. Set some boundaries in your life. Make some rules that they have to abide by. Don't make it so easy. Is that, is that a, right? We make it easy. Because while we're so bound up in unforgiveness, we forget the, we forget the what. Okay, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's what you need to understand. This is the way this is going to. This is the way this is going to be right here. You see what I'm saying? It's not that I don't love you, but this is. Listen, look at me. I, I, I don't want the most loving thing you can do for any person is set boundaries because you don't want them to do it again. You don't want to. Amen. Amen.